Welcome. I'm Sebastian Mafud, and you're listening to WCAT Radio, the on-air wing of En Route Books and Media, bringing you the dulcet sounds of Catholic wisdom. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust consumes, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to True Wealth. I'm Dave Fasconi, and here with me is Maria Smith. Good morning, Maria. How are you today? Good morning, Dave. I'm doing well. How about yourself? Yeah, yeah, I can't complain. Uh, overall, things are uh, going pretty well, I think. Uh, we're in the still in the midst or in the middle of the pandemic. Things, I think, are getting better, but um, we're still there. Um, hopefully, as we were saying before the show, uh, there's light at the end of the tunnel. So uh, hopefully that, uh, and, and as we were also saying before the show, when you see the light at the end of the tunnel, that means you're still in the tunnel. So uh, we do have a ways to go before we can say it's uh, we're back to normal, I think. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, of course, I mean, what really and truly is normal? And do we really want to get back to the way things were before all this? Yeah, um, that's right. I think maybe uh, this could be a time for reflection and people might actually come out of it with a little bit of a change, uh, hopefully for the better, um, that they've uh, uh, learned or done some things that uh, they go, you know, this my life's better um, with this uh, new thing in my life, and uh, I'll continue to do it. And hopefully some of it is faith-based. But, uh, you know... My my thoughts on this, this, this pandemic is causing a lot of stress and anxiety for a lot of people, and uh, many are losing not only financially, but I think the structure in their life is turned upside down, and I can kind of see it in my own family. Uh, my wife is far more out of sync with her uh, weekly routine than I am. Um, you know, for now, she can't visit a lady at a nursing home like she used to or help a friend, and especially not being able to interact with our grandchildren, you know, their home and uh, not going to school. And, and um, you know, she's really been impacted by this uh, far more than me. I, I think I'm very fortunate in this regard. My routine hasn't really changed that much. Um, you know, horses do allow for everyday structure. And I, I really think that's important, having structure in your life. Um, how do you feel about that? Yeah, um, I agree with you, having structure. But what should our structure be based on? If it's based on God's will, then no matter what happens, we're going to adhere. We can adhere to that structure no matter what. I think what this pandemic, one thing that it's bringing out, one essential thing is that where do we have our priorities? Where is our heart? Is our heart on earthly treasures or heavenly treasures? And with the pandemic, 
I mean, I did lose a lot of my, a lot of the things that I was doing, but for myself, so much of the things I was doing, okay, maybe I'm just a very weird person, but I'm kind of glad that a lot of the things that I was doing, I'm not doing. I was rushing here. I was bringing my kids to this appointment and that appointment and this activity, and I was going out shopping more, and I had to go do this, and I was going to daily mass, which I miss, but then again, I'm watching Daily Mass live streamed every day in my home. And really, our homes are, our homes are the first churches, the domestic church. It is, I mean, the Holy Family was a church always. There was our Lord there, and we need to bring back our Lord in our homes. As a culture, as a society, but as a world, we have gotten away from the home. And really, the home is everything. It's really, we should be able to find our fulfillment in the home. And think of all the things that people really accept for their jobs. But of course, you know, people used to work at home as well. I mean, with the farms or with their, even with their businesses. I mean, um, St. Joseph. Where was his work? Was it right next to his home? I mean, that was his work. His home and his workshop was attached or very close to his home. So people had their work. And so much of it was in the home. What did housewives, um, homemakers, where was their work? We have gotten so far removed from what's essential in one's life and how much we need to be happy. Uh, I know this conversation has gone on for decades now since women really entered the workforce, probably right after World War II, because during World War II they were part of it and they wanted to stay, or maybe it was soon thereafter. I'm not exactly sure on the, the actual dates and facts. But basically, women's work used to be primarily in the home. Now it's primarily out of the home. And is this really a good thing? And what is this extra income? Is it absolutely essential or is it essential to go to movies? I mean, movies cost an awful lot of money. You want to bring a family of four or five to a movie. Um, I mean, I don't even know. The last time I went, my husband pays anyway, so I don't remember. But I'm I'm always shocked, like, really? That's how much? Just to sit for a couple of hours and watch a movie, you know, and then... So anyway, I guess I digress, but, you know, talking about really the structure that people have lost, the structure, their routine, where should their structure and routine really be? Yeah, you bring up a lot of good points there, uh, a lot of them. And, um, yeah, your thoughts parallel my own in that the structure – what should it be based on? Now, I'm familiar with structure, believe it or not. Uh, again, I keep going back to the horses, but uh, they want structure in their lives, and, and for a reason. Um, one, they're prey animals, so once they check out an environment and certify that it's safe, then they don't want any changes to it because that means they've got to start all over. And you can tell there's anxiety going on in the herd until they make until they feel safe again. Uh, I mean, you can do something really mundane 
uh, like if you were to bring a suitcase, a medium-sized suitcase, and put it in the barn where when they have to come in, they see it or walk by it, they'll stop. I mean, that right there is upsetting. It wasn't there this morning. It's never been there before. So you've changed the structure in their life, and now they've got to, like I said, recertify the environment uh, for them to feel safe in it. Now, after a few days, and it hasn't made loud noises, it hasn't moved, it hasn't tried to eat them, then they're okay with it. But um, So structure is important to not just people, but to to creation, I think, in some ways. I think you could even make the argument about a plant. Um, uh, a plant needs a certain environment to thrive in, and if you change the environment, uh, that plant could be uh, stressed and at some point could die. But anyhow, uh, I think what you were saying is, uh, what's the structure in one's life? And if it's strictly secular, then I think that's that's a problem in the making in that that can be changed. That can be interrupted to things out of our control. And this pandemic is a perfect example. Um, if you were used to being out in the public, going to places, interacting, whatever, um, and now you can't do that, I can see where that could really have a major impact on your life. However, if you're going back to what you were saying earlier about uh, the home as a domestic church and it's faith-based, then uh, you've already got structure in your life that doesn't change because uh, you're already practicing um, faith-based activities in your home. And in some ways, it might be an opportunity to even expand upon them. But not only is that something to keep structure in your life, but it's also a source of comfort. So I think, once again, having that faith-based part of your life, uh, being active and contributing to your overall health, uh, mental, physical, spiritual, it's just it's invaluable. You, you can't remove it and expect things are going to work out because sooner or later, something's going to happen to cause uh, only secular uh, uh, structure to uh, collapse. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that structure is a comfort for people. And you also said, you know, if you were used to going out in public, if you're used to going places, basically if you're used to doing pretty much whatever you will with most of your time, you have to work, you know, but – of course, we're also you're also free to work or not to work. It's up to you. You could say, I'm not going to work today or I'm going to quit my job. Right now, you're not even free to really say that. You're, I think the majority of people, many people feel like they're at the mercy of the unknown. And this getting back to if your focus, your priority is to do God's will or is your priority to do your own will, if your priority is to do your own will, then, yeah, you're going to be upset with whatever whatever takes away your freedom to do whatever you want, whenever you want. You go to work, but the rest of the time is pretty much yours. I'm going to go to this restaurant. No, I'll go here. No, I'll go there. I'll travel here. I'll, you're free to choose so many things, and now we're not. And so this is very, very difficult for people. But if you are have been 
practicing to do God's will throughout your life, then this will be really just a minor thing. I mean, you know, in many ways, of course, if you lose your job, that is a major thing. However, what does God say over and over again? What does our Lord say to trust in him, to not put your trust in money, to not put your trust in jobs? I don't know how God can bring good things to people who have lost their jobs, but I know that he can, and I know that he will. And no matter what your situation is, no matter what it is, God is calling us to trust in him. This is exactly what it means when, um, when we look at the, the divine mercy picture, the divine mercy image, especially in these past days leading up to yesterday, which was Divine Mercy Sunday, when it says, Jesus, I trust in you. It doesn't mean, Jesus, I trust in you. I got a good job. I got enough to pay the rent. I got enough to make ends meet. I can go buy food when I want. I can buy whatever I want. It doesn't mean that. It doesn't at all. It means, Jesus, I trust in you when things are going badly, when things seem out of your control, when you don't know what to do. That's when those words have their proper meaning. Oh, yeah, for sure. And um, I, I think that's where the person that does turn to God has God in their life. Uh, they understand that. They Maybe at some point they almost take it for granted, and they have to uh, uh, maybe sometimes deal with people that uh, don't think that way or don't use that same resource and um, try to figure out the source of their problem. And, you know, a lot of times we try to attack problems because of, uh, you know, well, you lost your job or you you can't do this. And really that's a symptom maybe more than the source. Uh, The the source of the problem means that you don't have that uh, anchor in your life, that your, your faith. And, uh, because once you have that, then these other things, even though they are major, they can be dealt with. At least I think uh, they can be they can be approached in a way where uh, you're not in a panic. You are able to put them in the proper perspective and uh, deal with it. Come out of this uh, maybe better in, in the long run. It may not seem that way when you're in the in the moment, but at some point, looking back, you may see that the change was a good one. But uh, yeah, it's so important um, to have trusted something that you know will not falter, will not go away, and that's the problem with putting trust in well secular things or secular institutions. They're not forever. Uh, they they just or not. They, they can't be. Um, and I think people come to find that out maybe in a hard way uh, when it does fail. Maybe after a major hurricane has flown through and they've lost everything and the government is not able to, you know, restore them on a timely basis or, or deal with it, their needs, it suddenly becomes very real that um, these uh, these institutions are limited, um, whereas your faith never 
abandons you. God never abandons you. Uh, once again, it may not change the circumstances, but it certainly allows you to deal with the circumstance in a way that other people can't because of the panic in their lives. I mean, that's kind of how it boils down for me. Yeah, it doesn't change the circumstances necessarily, but it changes your perspective. And in that way, it actually does change the circumstance. Instead of something being a trial, um, an unbearable, difficult situation, it becomes, what is that? It becomes a stepping stone. It becomes something that's going to bring you closer to your goal. And what is your goal? To have a vacation home, to have the best job. What is your goal? Is your goal to be closer to God? Well, then anything and everything, and especially the difficult things, in particular the crosses, will bring us closer to God. If your goal is heaven, if your goal is God, then everything that happens is is a potential aid, is a support, is a benefit. If your goal is something on earth, then then almost everything is going to be a problem unless everything is smooth sailing. And there's going to, but there's always going to be glitches, problems, huge ones like we have now, or individual ones. Like say everything, if everything were to get back to normal, or say even better than it was three months ago, I mean, just hypothetically speaking, and then you have a better job. Somehow you lost the job you had, but a better job comes along in two months. You get the job, and then you go finally get to go to the doctor, and you find out you have cancer. I mean, you know, you cannot in this world achieve perfect happiness. You can't, but you can achieve true happiness, which is doing the will of God wanting to do, desiring to do the will of God is the absolute first step to doing his will. And desiring to do it and every day working to do his will, to see his will, to ask for him to show us his will and to do his will. And that is perfect happiness. And that is the hap- that's the kind of happiness, that's the happiness that starts here on earth and never ends because it's what will take us to heaven where happiness is infinite, everlasting, endless. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And what you said is absolutely true. I, I friend of mine, I used to work very closely with him. Uh, he in turn, he basically lost his job, but he inherited a, a fortune. Uh, his aunt passed away, and, and he was good. He took care of this lady throughout. And when she passed away, he he was the recipient of quite a bit of money. And so the, the timing was unbelievable in that um, uh, he lost his job through no fault of his own. Uh, he then inherited this this money. And I remember asking him, I go, uh, how long will this last? He goes, forever, forever. He goes, I live like a monk. Uh, and... Uh, <laughs> uh, Oh, yeah, because he never had a lot of money during his years that he and I were together, working together. And so I'd ask her, hey, uh, what's for what's for dinner? And his answer would be, what's ever on sale? <laughs> so, um, uh, but anyhow, to, to take this story to the end, uh, within 
four to five months, he, he passed away from cancer. Uh, wow. So, oh. so he got he got this huge fortune, and then four or five months later, he died? He, was, he died from cancer, yeah. And he had this huge fortune that he just received a few months before. Exactly. Exactly. Wow. Just, just, wow. Just okay. Uh, oh, uh, trust me. When you were talking about that, that came to mind, and it only happened a few years ago. And I worked very closely with this man. I knew him. Uh, we were good friends, and uh, it was just one of those things where, you, yeah, think you got it all set, and the next thing you know, um, the eleventh hour shows up. You know. But uh, anyhow, Maria. Um, I do have something that I think you and I have talked about. Uh, I don't know if we ever, if I ever read this on one of the shows, perhaps. Uh, but this talks about the peace of Christ. And what, what is it? Uh, do you recall us talking about the artist uh, and the wealthy man asking uh, uh, if the artist could capture the peace of Christ on canvas? Do you, do you recall that discussion? No, can you elaborate a little? Yeah, yeah, let me read it. And uh, because when we're talking about happiness, what we're really saying is there's peace in your life. So uh, I'll read this, and I think it ties in nicely. Um, a wealthy man asked a local well-known artist if he could capture the peace of Jesus Christ on canvas. The artist said yes and agreed to do a painting. Weeks later, he called the man to his studio to look at his work. The painting was the perfect day as viewed from a hilltop. Blue skies, some white clouds, and a quiet village below. The man said no. This was not what he had in mind and asked the artist to try again. He agreed. Weeks later, the man was called to see the second painting. This time, a tender moment of a mother holding her infant with an expression of pure joy. But again the man said, no, can you try again? The artist agreed, but was very confused as to what the man was looking for. Weeks went by, nothing. More weeks and still nothing. Then one day, the artist picked up his brush and started to paint. He called the man back, and after carefully studying the painting, he said, yes, this is the peace of Christ. For this time, the artist had painted something very different. This time, it was a storm, the worst storm you could imagine. You could almost hear the thunder coming off the canvas, pitch black until streaks of lightning lit the scene. Then you saw huge waves crashing against the cliff. But when you looked closely in a crevice on the cliff, you saw a dove on her nest, content that despite the raging storm all around her, everything was going to be okay. And that is how we all come to know the peace of Jesus Christ. It's the storms in our lives, not the perfect days. Uh, Maria, that was a homily that I heard many years ago. And I, it's stuck with me ever since. And I put it, I wrote it down uh, I captured, I think, most of uh, what the homily, what the uh, deacon said. But I just thought that was the perfect example of how we should understand the peace of Christ in our lives. It's not the perfect days. It's the storms. Yeah, 
Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. No, I have never heard that before. I would have definitely remembered that because I love art and I love those images. Yeah, beautiful. That is exactly it. That's exactly the piece that our Lord Jesus Christ said, my peace I give to you. And it's not the same peace that the world will give to you. The peace that the world gives to you is when things are going well, or at least relatively well. Things are, you know, your job is going well, your relationships are going well, your health is going well. That's the peace that the world offers. The peace that Jesus offers is exactly what you said, that no matter what is going on, that you, your soul is at peace because it trusts in God. Yeah, oh, yeah. It, it, it all comes together. I mean, the trust, the peace, the happiness. Um, you know, the whole journey now makes sense. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people turn to some form of addiction to escape reality because nothing makes any sense. Everything's been turned upside down. And what they thought, was secure, their 401k uh, was, uh, you know, uh, allowing them or going to allow them to uh, live a life of uh, luxury or a life of uh, fun and and no worries, all of a sudden it's gone. Uh, or as you said, and as we talked about, you go and take a, have a routine physical and you walk out of there stunned that uh, things uh, could be taking a drastic different turn. And, and, and once again, my friend, I, that, was, uh, that was a really uh, significant thing that happened uh, a few years ago. And, and uh, it just makes the point of what we've been talking about all so real, you know? Yeah. You know, you mentioned the escape and... Um... You know, even without this huge crisis that is going on in the whole world, there's always the escape. Just now, I think it's more clear to see, but people always have always tried to escape. Escape what? And escape how? Escape into addiction or escape into um, pleasure after pleasure, whether it's legitimate or not, like going on vacation all the time or buying new homes or buying new clothes or buying new um, cars or new devices. All those are escapes. Or going to movies, going out all the time, always distraction to distract us, to escape from what? Yeah. And, from and what? Or, from, yeah. from from our mortality. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and I think I read this somewhere that uh, if you're having a bad time in your life and you think life ends when you hit the grave, that's not right. That's not fair in your mind. Why should somebody else... Um, uh, be enjoying their time on this earth, earth, their life, and you can't. Uh, matter of fact, I just read this uh, that it doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor. Human nature uh, wants this kind of uh, experience where they're enjoying life, and um, so it's just a part of us. And like I said, if you think that life ends at in the natural, at the grave, 
then anything that's not allowing you to be entertained or experiencing the joy or the ple- the pleasures of life, I should say, not the joys, but the pleasures of life, uh, you're being uh, you're being robbed, uh, or you're being denied something that should be yours, as opposed to, like I said, when you look at other people who aren't having problems or issues like you are. That's not fair in your mind that they can enjoy their life while they're here, but you can't. And uh, I, I think that's um, that's that's a big majority of people. I, I, I hate to say it, but I do believe maybe it wasn't in the past, but I think it is now. I think, in, and it's trending in that direction because there's just too much technology telling us all the good things we can be doing with our time here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Excellent points. Um, not just the technology telling us um, all the good things we could be doing, but showing us all the good things that everybody else is so blissfully doing. And, you know, that's so much of that. Everything that people put out, what, 95%, 99% is all good stuff. Like, this is what I'm doing. This is what's going on in my life. Everything is picture perfect, you know, because they, they touch it up and they just give the most perfect things. Yeah, absolutely. And what you're saying, I think you're right. I really do. I think that it's much more now than ever before because I do believe that people for centuries, for millennia, human beings understood that suffering was a part of life and accepted it. I don't know if people really know that now. They certainly don't accept it. I mean, deep down, obviously, they do know it. But do do they understand that suffering is really a part of life and that we have to accept that? I think you're right. I really think that now more than ever, people feel deprived or um, it's unfair or um, they're unlucky somehow because other people have more, other people have better. Um, Yeah, I think that you made two excellent points. One, that with all this technology that we have, we are more likely to be envious, jealous, and unhappy. And, And also because it's our time, because we just have lost that. We've lost the actual, we've lost touch with reality. And reality yeah. is that this earthly life is a suffering. And people for centuries and millennia accepted that. They didn't keep, they didn't keep, I mean, really, you know, think about all the time it was so hard to even have enough food, let alone the best kind of food to have. A, I mean, you could, you know, one thing that, uh, I know a lot of people, especially in my circles with homeschooling, that we read was the Little House on the Prairie books. Oh, my goodness. This was, you know, a slice of Americana. And this was not that long ago, you know, like in the 18th, uh, 1800s, in the 19th century, that um, in early, in early 20th century as well, um, that people were suffering and they just did it. They didn't complain. They didn't complain like we do. And actually, complaining was frowned upon. Well, yeah, and I think the other thing is the definition of suffering has changed. Uh, yes. If you had enough food, like you were saying in these books you were reading, uh, you were you were fine. There was no suffering. You had enough to eat. Uh, today, if we have to eat uh, the same thing twice in the same or two days in a row, 
some people may say, I, I, I'm getting sick. I, I can't stand it. Uh, that's a form of suffering, I guess. I, I think the definition of suffering has changed dramatically yes. uh, along with, with the technology. So, you know, what used to be considered poor um, is no longer uh, uh, poor today is, is rich uh, by standards uh, that were used um, uh, decades ago, and, and I think I lived in some of the early decades, uh, some of when I was a kid, not only where, when I lived, but where I lived. I mean, when you were poor there, you were poor. Uh, yes. Poor meant yes. something. Today, and you, poor, and you didn't even complain as much. Well, you, you know, it was, the, it was just the way it was. Yes. But, uh, uh, yeah, so a, a lot of things factor into this. But uh, uh, it all gets back to the what we were saying earlier about the peace and the trust. You put your trust in God, things will be fine. And if you don't, watch out. Exactly, exactly. If you put your trust and your joy in God, if being with God, if doing God's will is your joy, then all these other things really will have very, very little will have some significance but little and like even what you were saying before you know about the food that's a huge thing i mean my goodness there is so much food that's thrown out that i mean how many people really eat leftovers or try to make do with what they have instead of wanting you know the best and it's just it's a totally different way of looking at life and of being content how many people were content if they they used to do a good day's work, and they would content to be at home, you know, in front. I mean, these are beautiful scenes. And I think actually many people would find this image peaceful and relaxing. But how many people actually would want to really do it, would be able to do it? When you see the, the, an image of a family around a fireplace, perhaps one of the family members reading out loud what, while the others are doing, maybe the women are doing some sewing or some knitting mm-hmm. and the men could be doing some whittling or, the, uh, or mm-hmm. maybe the father could be reading the newspaper. And it's such a calm, peaceful such a, um, an endearing image. But how many people would really want to do that? No, they want to go out. They want to go here. They feel like they're missing out if they don't go find out the new restaurant, the new store, the new entertainment, the new show. Yeah, it's, you know, do we really want that simple life? Well, this pandemic has really um, put so many people in their home. And again, like we, you've said many a time, we've said on the show, any experience, can make you better or bitter, and even good ones. I mean, you know, and you know, things with people who win lottery tickets. Now that you would say, oh, that's a wonderful thing. What a great thing. What a, uh, you know, what a uh, a stroke of luck, winning a huge lottery. But a lot of those people really, it does not end up all that good for them. I mean, it depends on the person. Anything, whether good or bad, can make you better can make you bitter. It depends on how you take it, whether it's good or bad. Are you accepting this in in a way that's in a way that's conformable to God's will? Or are you accepting it like, wow, I made so much money now. How can I spend it? How can I enjoy myself? How can I give myself more pleasure? If you're doing that, then something that is necessarily a good thing can turn out to be a bad. 
Yeah. Matter of fact, uh, you were saying about winning the lottery, lots of money. Uh, there was something I saw a, few, a little while back, a few years ago, and it was um, a well-known psychologist or psychiatrist, psychologist, I think. But anyhow, uh, he, he made that, uh, he used that as an example. He goes, you could take two people, uh, one could win a huge lottery, uh, uh, so much money that uh, they didn't ever have to worry about money again, and then another person, a second person, could be uh, in a horrible accident and ends up in a wheelchair for the rest of their life. And he says, you have given me absolutely no clues about either one of them's happiness a year from that date, uh, whether the person won the lottery or they were in an accident that put them in a wheelchair. Because I know you've given me nothing to go on about their happiness a year later. And it gets back to what you were saying. Just because you end up with a lot, a good fortune, a big fortune, doesn't guarantee happiness. And that person in a wheelchair uh, may find uh, something in them. It could, they could find their spiritual. Uh, they, they may find their soul uh, in that experience, and they are by far the happier of the two. So I thought that was an excellent point he made, and it ties right into what you were saying. Yes, ac- excellent. Very, very good. Yeah, perfect. Anyway, we're at the end of the time for today, and it's been a wonderful conversation as always. Absolutely. So, okay, Maria, let's close with a prayer. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Amen. Take care, Maria. Have a good week. You too, Dave. God bless everybody. Bye-bye. Hi there, this is Christine Mooney Flynn, host of the Catholic Mama podcast, and I'd like to invite you to join me over on the Catholic Mama. To develop a Christian family and raise children who are and who, God willing, will continue to be confident Catholics, requires us as parents to be confident in our faith as well. So each week, I dive into topics that help to make sense of the Catholic faith and how to live out that faith in our vocation as husbands and wives, moms and dads. So whether you need help in explaining aspects of Catholic doctrine like the real presence in the Eucharist, or if you're looking for practical ideas on how to live a more Catholic life, my goal is that you'll find the answers and guidance you're looking for over on my show, The Catholic Mama. I hope to see you there. We hope you enjoyed the program and will join us back for another show on WCAT Radio. This is Sebastian Mafud. Good day.